All right. Uh, what that was a clip of there is uh, the camp that we went to a couple of weeks ago in uh, Panama City, Florida. And uh, I just wanted to start by just saying thank you to you as a church family for giving us the opportunity to go and to be able to experience that which you were able to see. It was an amazing thing. And just thank you so much uh, to you guys for allowing us to go and do that and giving us that opportunity to be able to go and do that. You've impacted these students' lives in ways that, that can't be measured on this side of heaven. And so thank you so much for what you did. But you were able to see a little bit of a snapshot as far as what got, went on that week at camp. There's about 1,500 to 2,000 students that converged on this uh, hotel convention center area. So it was pretty crazy and hectic and wild. But at the same time, it was an amazing experience where we were able to meet with God and be able to get away from the things that crowd our lives so many times. And that's uh, really what that week was all about. We were able to step out of the world and the noise and the ball practices and the school and the jobs and the families and able to step out of all that for a little while and for five or six days to completely shut out the noise that clutters our mind and to be able to focus in on what it is that God is wanting to speak into our life. And that is, um, that's an amazing thing to be able to do. And so thank you so much for that opportunity. Whenever Mike came to me a couple of weeks ago and asked me if I was wanting to, uh, to preach, I told him I would be glad to. And, um, he told me he was doing this road trip series where he was going to all these different cities and doing these different places, kind of telling a little bit about them. And I was stumped. I couldn't figure out where exactly I wanted to go or where we needed to go or what needed to happen there. And um, I just thought, what a what a great opportunity to be able to share a little bit about what on with our students that week at camp and to be able to share maybe a little bit of the vision that is uh, big stuff as far as us being able to do big stuff with our life is kind of the theme that, that I'm going with this morning. And so we're traveling out to Panama City and, um, you know, next week is Cooperstown. And Wyatt was telling the first service, he was telling them that uh, they could wear their jersey. So if you have uh, a jersey, a favorite team that you want to wear, uh, baseball, Cooperstown, Hall of Fame out there, then you are more than welcome to wear that. Um, I asked if we could wear our swimsuits today and um, it got shot down. So... Thank goodness that didn't play out or be really interesting service uh, for sure. But um, we, we decided, I decided we'd go out to, to Panama City Beach. And it's just a gorgeous, gorgeous thing. Let me read you a little bit about what Wikipedia says about Panama City Beach. And then we'll talk a little bit about that. Panama City Beach is legendary for its white sandy beaches, its emerald green waters, breathtaking underwater scenery, and exceptional food and shopping. While we expect you to have some fun, give way to the appeal of barefoot walks along pristine beaches and sugar white sand, build a sand castle, go fishing, play play golf, catch a live band, uh, and dance the night away. Whatever you desire, Panama City Beach is proud to serve it up. All right. It is our pleasure to share it all with you with 27 miles of shoreline bordering the emerald green water of the Gulf of Mexico and St. Andrews Bay. It's a, it's a gorgeous, gorgeous area, isn't it? Man, that is some beautiful beach and waterfront. Um, we go to the Texas beaches a lot of time. Uh, me and my family, we've gone there my entire life. Me and Andrea got married uh, in Port Aransas, uh, which is just, you know, down ways a little bit. And um, 
I'm not hating. I'm just saying that those Florida beaches were awesome. They were money. They kind of put the others to shame. And so uh, we have to take it up a notch if we're going to catch up with them. But they're really proud of their beaches and everything that you read, everything that they do, it's constantly talking about, uh, check out our beaches, check out the, the water. And it's so clear. It's so nice. There's no seaweed. There's not any weird things going on, man. It's just beautiful, beautiful beachfront. And uh, I love going to the beach. That's like my vacation spot. Uh, I love going to the beach. I love spending time with them. How many of you in here are beachgoers? You're like, man, I love the beach. The beach is where it's at. How many of you are more like, I'm more of the mountain type, you know, take me some snow skiing, take me to the top of some hills or some mountains. That's kind of my deal. Um, well, either one, let's, let's go to one of those places in your mind for a moment, if you will, uh, with me. And, uh, there's something about standing in the edge of a cliff, looking out over the landscape, isn't there? Standing on the edge of a mountain, standing on the edge of the cliff and being able to look out and see the expanse of God. To be able to stand on the edge of a shoreline and to look out at the beautiful ocean and to be able to see all of these things and to be able to look all this. There's something about it that, well, it inspires worship in us, right? We're just like, man, this is massive. Our God is huge. Our God is Amazing. He is creative. He's unique. He is my, I mean, we just start thinking and, and, and begin wondering about all these things of God. And, and whenever we're on those vacations and we're out of the rat race, we're out of the going and the doing and the running here and running there. And for a moment, we're able to step out of those things and be in that moment, in that place, man, God begins to speak into our life. And He begins to share some things with us. And some of those things that He shares with us are massive, big dreams, big goals, big visions that he puts in our hearts that scare us. And we shut them off, right? We back off. We're like, whoa, I don't know if I can do that, Lord. But whenever we get away from the noise, from the pollution, from all the things that's clogging our ears from hearing from God, it is an amazing, amazing thing. So I wonder if we can do that this morning. I wonder if we can take a step back. I wonder if you can take a step onto the shoreline and look out at the expanse of God's word and who he is and how massive he is and how holy he is. And let's just stop for a moment and let's listen to him. Let's steal our hearts. Let's steal our minds. Let's listen to what God is wanting to speak into your heart. And speak it to your life because I'm confident that there is something that God wants to do that's massive in your life. He wants to do some amazing things with your life. So let's be still before him for a moment. And let's hear what he has to say. God, I pray that you would open our eyes and you'd open our ears so that we might see and we might hear your great plan for our life. God, remove any distractions that might be going on around us. God, remove any distractions that might be coming after church or before church even arrived this morning, maybe this week. Lord, just steal our hearts and our minds before you that we can hear exactly what it is that you're wanting to speak into our life. And it's your name I pray. 
If you have your Bibles, we're going to be in Matthew chapter 6. And uh, a familiar passage of Scripture, we'll pick it up in verse 19. But uh, as I was talking about, every summer thousands of students go to Panama City and experience this camp. And there's a reason for that, that, that camp is so important for these students because there's a growing distinction between the world and what the church is supposed to be, is there not? There's a growing distinction between what the world is and what we're called to be. I mean, I want you to think just for a moment with me, if you will, about the your childhood. Just go back to whenever you were a child. I want you to think about what came on television whenever you were a kid. What were some shows that came on? You can shout some out. Gilligan's Island. That's awesome. Andy Griffith, absolutely. Partridge Family. If, 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 if you didn't have TVs when you were a kid, man, just, you know, the radio station that you listened to. I'm just kidding. That's, that was a joke, all right? Tough crowd. Um, yeah, there's, um, there's all these different shows that we're talking about, Andy Griffith, Gilligan's Island, all those things. And I want you to think about what comes on today. Man, just straight garbage, right? Just garbage. There's a growing distinction between what the world is and what we're called to be. There's a major divide that's happening there. And so um, it's so important for us to get away for a moment. It's so important for us to still our minds and still our hearts before him and to get to a place where we can be used by God because um, I think that he's waiting for people to humble themselves before him and say that we're your people. God, use us for your glory. I think that there is. I think there is a growing need for that. There is a desperate need. For that, and so let's read here in this passage of scripture. It's one, like I said, you've probably heard before, and, and we'll just read through this a few verses. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God in money. And um, here at the end of this passage, it gets really specific as far as some things that capture our heart and mind. But I want us to look at this kind of in a broader sense from the beginning. And let's just jump back up there. Do not lay up for yourself treasures on earth where they can be destroyed, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where they cannot be destroyed. And that's the exact opposite of really what we're taught, right? To lay up for ourselves treasures in heaven and not so much here on earth. That's the exact opposite of everything that us as Americans are taught that we should what? And we should make a lot of money. We should have a lot of things. We should be able to go and do whatever we want to do. We have all of this and we're such a rich nation, man. We are rich beyond anything that we could. I mean, you travel out of here and this is mind blowing how rich we are. I mean, you just take a trip. We're in Texas Just drive south a few hours. How drastically different life is. 
But there's this constant pursuit for more and more. And what it comes down to here in these first passages of Scripture is the enslavement that there is. Materialism will slave, will enslave the heart, the mind, and the will. We can become shackled by the material things of life, but we ought to be liberated and controlled by God. Where we are shackled by these material things, where we're consumed with these material things. Man, God says, I have freed you from those things. You have been freed in Christ Jesus our Lord. Do you understand that? You have been set free not to put yourself back into bondage. Okay, it's like this. We are saved by God. God comes into our life and he speaks to our life and he saves us. And we're like, yes, thank you, Lord. And we turn around, we hook ourselves back into the, the chains, like on the other side. That's what he's talking about, that you've been you've been set free, not to a life of bondage and slavery to things. To be in bondage and slavery to toys. To having more. To getting more. That's not what you've been saved for. You've been saved to so much more than that. If the heart loves material things and puts earthly gain above heavenly investment, then the result can only be a tragic loss. That's it. That's the only end result that's going to come. If you put earthly things above heavenly things, and that is the pursuit of your life, it can only end in tragic loss because there's going to come a point where that's done. Where that's over. Where that's no more. Right? There is an end date. We're not all going to live forever. We're not going to carry our money with us to heaven. We're not going to carry our things with us to heaven. There's going to come a point where we are released from those things. And it's going to be a great loss for those who put all their eggs in that basket and miss out on the heavenly, eternal things of God. It's going to be a great loss. An eternal loss. The treasures of of earth may be used by God, but if we gather material things, we ourselves will lose them and we will lose our hearts with them. We'll lose our hearts with them. The more that we love these things around us, the more and more we're losing our heart. We're losing who we are. In Christ Jesus our Lord. We've been called to so much more. Like I said not to this bondage. But we've been called to a life of freedom. From these things. And that is the exact opposite of what the world says. It's an exact opposition. To everything that the world teaches. It's an exact opposition. To everything that the world would say. Needs to happen. And so we have to be careful of what we're doing with our hearts. And where we're chasing things. Because Here's what it boils down to. I want you to think for a moment. Where do you spend the majority of your time? What do you spend the majority of your time doing? What do you spend the majority of your time talking about? What do you spend the majority of your time focused on? I want you to think about where do you spend the majority of your energy? And then I want you to spend where do you spend the most of your money? That is what you love. That is what has your heart. That is what you're worshiping. And that is what you've made your God. Where you're spending your time, your energy, and your money, is what you're worshiping. 
And if we can all agree here that it's okay not to be okay, you know, if we can all come to the realization that, hey, we're not perfect, right? We're not. If we can stop acting like we're perfect and and be real honest for a second, probably most of us don't have Jesus at the front of all those lists. Do we? Where we spend the majority of our time talking about if you were in love with the things of Christ, if you're in love with God, then maybe those people who are around you that are lost would know that. But they're able to name who your favorite sports team is. That's personal. That's that's me. That's on me. That's personal. There is a need. For God's people to be God's people. Whatever you're spending your time and energy in. And your money in. Is what you're worshiping. Idolatry isn't dead. Idol worship isn't dead. It just looks a little different. I don't doubt for a moment that none of you go home. And burn incense to some kind of graven image. But what do you spend the majority of your time thinking about, talking about, pursuing, seeking, wanting? What are you willing to invest in? Where are you willing to put your money? It's dangerous questions. Dangerous questions. If we look a little bit further, the eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if that eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light is darkness, how great is the darkness? Um, In Scripture, throughout God's Word, oftentimes the eye is used to represent the attitudes of the mind. If the eye is properly focused on the light, the body can function properly in its movements. But if the eye is out of focus... And seeing double, it results in unsteady movements. It's the most difficult to make progress while trying to look in two different directions at the same time. I want you to imagine that for a moment. Let's imagine that you have these uh, this giftedness that you're able to move one eye without having to move the other one. And you were looking two different directions. It would be pretty wild, right? Uh, you're able to look. At, uh, that would be really handy for me as a youth pastor to be able to look two different directions at the same time because, you know, every time you turn around, it's like, they pull up the phone, texting someone or something. But uh, that you're able to look out both ways very easily. And let's say that you're focused on these two different destinations and these two different things. It would be really hard to get to them, wouldn't it? If you're only looking at them with one eye and the other one's looking at something else. You have to be like ripped in half to be able to get there. You know, or even trying to walk forward while looking two different directions. You would miss out on things that were standing in your way. You'd end up falling off the stage or end up falling somewhere as you're walking and stumbling around. And it would become a major problem, right? And that is an issue that's plaguing many people within the church today. Because we look out one eye at the things of God and we say, yes, that is great. That is awesome. We come to church, we hear, we're like, yes, that is what I want for my life. And then we leave this place and we are looking with our other eye at the things of the world. And we're saying, yes, that is what I want for my life. That is what I want for my kid's life. That's what I think is most valuable. And we put value on the things of the earth and not on the things of God. 
You cannot serve two masters. There is no this and that. You cannot walk down the balance beam of life and do both sides. Can't do it. If you are not for God, you are against him. He asks for all of you. There is no balance beaming with God. You cannot play games with God. If you're doing this balancing act, you're not helping anyone. You're hurting the kingdom of God. Because there's people that are watching you. And they're seeing you live like the world Monday through Saturday. And they say, your life's no different than mine. That's heartbreaking. Painful. We cannot look at both things. We have to choose to serve Christ. If our aim in life is to gain material things, it'll mean darkness within. But if our outlook is to serve and glorify God, there will be light within If you jump a chapter back in Matthew chapter 6, it talks about you being the light of the world to be a city lit on the side of a hill. You know that passage of scripture where it talks about being the light? If you are full of the world, how are you ever going to be the light in the darkness? How are you going to be the light in the darkness? If your life is no different than anyone else's. I don't think it can. Cannot serve two masters. We have to make a decision that we are going to follow Christ regardless of the cost. And to give up everything to follow him and stop pursuing the things of the world. That are going to fall away. That are going to be... Leading to destruction that we cannot take with us. They're they're pointless. They're rubbish, Paul calls it. But that's the pursuit of our life. That's where we spend the majority of our time. Pursuing those things. We have to guard our hearts. If we are going to walk in this new life. If we're going to put lightness into our life. We have to pour into our hearts godly things. Righteous things. We need to pour into our hearts and mind Things that are of him and not allow the world's standards to be the center of our thoughts and the center of our minds. Our heart needs to not be the heart of the world. You understand? Our mind does not need to be the mind of the world. Our will should not be the will of the world. Our heart should be the heart of God. Our mind should be the mind of God. Our will should be the will of God. That should be the pursuit of our life is to live a life glorifying and honoring to him and not the world. Who are you trying to please with this life? Are you trying to please the world? Trying to bring pleasure to the world? Or are you going to live to please God? To glorify him? It's a real question we have to ask. It's a real decision that we have to make. Did you know for for quite some time, Panama City Beach has been a popular vacation destination, but it's also probably most known for its spring break time. It's known as the spring break capital of the world. Over 100,000 
college students and high school students make their way to Panama City Beach between March and April every year. Does anyone have any ideas what goes on spring break week? Sin, yeah. Sin, garbage goes on that week. There is excessive drinking. There is excessive sexual encounters. There is excessive drug experimentation. There is all of these things that go on for this entire week that we don't even hear about. We don't even know about. And they look at that. The world looks at that. Society looks at that and says, it's okay. They're college students. That's what is expected of them. That's not what my Bible says. What a greater time to serve the Lord than the time between 18 and 24. You're not married and you don't have commitments at that point. You're able to do and go and serve in some mighty ways. And they are throwing away their lives in pursuit of what the Lord, what the world says is best for them. I read an article this week that talked about the Olympic Games. And I know this is probably going to put a downer on some of it for you guys. But uh, in 2008 Olympics in Beijing, they, uh, they handed out 70,000 condoms in the Olympic Village to the participants. They had to order 20,000 more because they ran out. And how many of you knew that? It's accepted. It's okay. It's part of life. How about this? Did you know that this evening, 672,000 people are going to be homeless in the United States? Not going to have a place to lay their head? That's not counting people that are living in terrible situations in home. These are people that are literally on the street that we can number. How about this? That that 48 million children have been aborted since Roe versus Wade in the United States alone. 48 million. That's more children that have been killed since that event, since Roe versus Wade than the last 12 wars that America has been in combined deaths for us. Think about that. I mean, you hear about that on a regular basis. How about that every day or every week, 42 million children are aborted in the world? Every week. 42 million across this world are aborted. I was reading an article the other day there in China. Women eight months, nine months pregnant because they don't have the right card have to have their babies aborted from them, taken from them. Eight and nine months pregnant. Every minute, 14 children die of hunger. which turns into 7.6 million a year. 
Listen, guys, there is no plan B. There is no second option. We are the people of God. We are God's chosen plan for the world. Jesus Christ started the church. It's his church. It was built for him. It was built for his glory. It was built for his honor. It was built for his praise. That is what the church is made for. And there is no second option. Do you understand? There is no backup plan. There is no someone coming in behind us and cleaning up the mess. There is only now and there is only this that has been placed before us. Are we going to be the people of God that God's called us to be? Are we going to allow it to slip and to slide? And for people who are desperate for the gospel of Jesus Christ to not receive it. There is no second plan. There is no second option. There is nothing. You are God's chosen plan. You are the body of Christ. Your hands are his hands. Your feet are his feet. The gospel needs to be taken to them. And I'm happy to announce that this coming summer, our high school students are going to have the opportunity to take the gospel out of the United States and to meet students and to meet adults where they're at with the gospel of Jesus Christ and to meet them in their physical needs, to meet them in their spiritual needs and to speak that words of truth. And there's going to come a point where you are going to be able to help contribute to that. There's a point where you're going to be able to help see that vision through. You're going to be able to help send the gospel across the world to people who need it. Are you going to answer that call when it's your own kids that are going to be sent to meet them where they're at? Are we willing to settle for less? That's the question we've got to ask ourselves. Are we willing to settle for less? Are we willing to settle for not the best? Or are we going to follow him in radical obedience? Because that's what he calls of our life. If you flip to the next gospel in Luke... Um, most of you know this passage, verse, chapter 9, verse 23, it says, And he said to them all, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses it for my sake will save it. Does that sound like partial obedience? God doesn't ask us to cater to ourselves. God doesn't ask us to cater to our needs, God asks us to radically obey Him and to abandon ourselves. He's calling us to abandon everything to follow Him. Our plans, to abandon our dreams, to abandon everything that the world says is valuable and great 
with your life to abandon those things and to be swallowed up by his plans, by his dreams, by his goals, by his vision for your life. Which are so much higher, so much greater, and so much more fulfilling than anything, anything that you can gain in this world. Not even close. Not even close. The last thing I want to talk to you guys about this morning is being kingdom-minded. And that's an interesting thing that doesn't get talked about too often. Did you realize that you're in dual citizenship? You are all Americans or... I'm just, I mean, you may not be, I'm just assuming, I don't know. But, you know, we're all Americans, right? And that is our citizenship. We are Americans. But on the other side of that, we are citizens of the kingdom of God. First and foremost, we are citizens of that king. And as citizens of the kingdom of God... We look at this passage of scripture here in Matthew 6 and we see that the, that the listeners were hungry to hear about the kingdom of God. Because he says that you can lay up for these things in, in heaven. You can lay these things up in heaven. And, and, and that's just an amazing idea. That, and the message was a jolting one. Many followed and listened eagerly. And they sensed that this man, Jesus, was more. That he taught with authority and he had to know the way to experience that which they yearn for. That hunger, that longing is something that you and I can understand. Isn't it the desire, the longing in our hearts to want to know God more fully? Have you ever been there? Wanting to know God more fully. Wanting to know him more and more and more wanting to know exactly who he is. And whatever happened in your life, if you haven't experienced that, you're missing out. Because he's always faithful to reveal himself. And in those moments, sometimes we begin to think that maybe this isn't for this time. Maybe it is later on down the road that we want to see Jesus do some amazing things. We want to see him acting and moving amongst us. But we say, well, maybe that is for Later down the road when Jesus comes again, that maybe at that point we'll be able to see those things. But that is incorrect. God is here. The Holy Spirit is here. He dwells within you. Scripture says that the same resurrection power that raised Christ Jesus from the dead is the same resurrection power that now dwells within you. So the power that raised Christ Jesus from the dead is the same power that indwells your life. And I want you to think for a moment. I want you to think. If that same power dwells within you, shouldn't your life look a little different? Shouldn't our life look a little different if the living God of the universe is dwelling within our life and living out through us? Wouldn't our life look different? We're either don't know him. or We're blocked off all contact with him. 
I give this illustration with the youth a lot of times. Sometimes I want you to think about the stream that is going down the road. All right, there's a little stream coming down through here. All right, it's a small stream, but it's got this fresh water. I want you to think about that as being your spiritual life. Now, let's say you walk by one day and you throw a rock into that stream. Is the water going to stop? No, it's not going to stop. But let's say every day you come by and you throw a rock in the exact same place and they start to stack on top of each other. What's eventually going to happen? It's going to clog up. It's going to block that water. The same thing is true in your spiritual life. If you are sinning and living in rebellion to God's plan, to God's vision, to God's purpose for your life, if you're living in rebellious sin, yeah, that is sinful as well. You know, I I know a lot of times we talk about murdering and and stealing and doing all those things that's sinful, absolutely. But living in opposition to God's will for your life is just as sinful. Counts the same. So living in opposition to what he's calling you to do, eventually you'll become spiritually dry. And no more water is going to come through it. And it needs to be awakened. It needs to be cleared. It needs to be made fresh so that we're able to get in. You're an alien in this world. You were dead in your trespasses and sin, and now you're alive in Christ Jesus. Drastically different. Drastically different, but we honor things and place value on things and cheer and applaud for things that make no difference. And we miss the things that God is doing and what is to be done for His kingdom. We are trying to gain man's approval instead of God's approval. We're trying to make the world happy and not God. And there are some big things that God wants to do with your life. I mean, I want you to think for a moment about the moment that you were saved. How amazing was that? You know, we're able to see that transformation in uh, Cameron's life there uh, for all of us to be able to see. I want you to think back to that moment where you became a follower of Christ. Do you realize how miraculous that really is? That you were dead and then you were made alive? I mean, I haven't seen anything dead come alive lately. It's pretty miraculous. It's pretty amazing. To be able to see something that was dead be made alive. And so I wonder if we're satisfied just there. And we're afraid to take the next step because there is a world that is desperate for you to be the people of God. As I talked about, there are people in this world that are desperate For you to be the people of God. Man, there is a child on the other side of the world that is desperate for you to become the person who God's called you to be. He's desperate for you to be the person that God's called you to be. He's desperate for you to do what God's called you to do because he is hungry and he is dying and he is without shelter and he's without food and he's without the gospel of Jesus Christ because you are being rebellious and hard-headed because you want more things. Because you want to pursue this. There's a person down the hallway from you where you work 
that is desperate for you to be the person that God's called you to be because they need to hear the gospel. They need to know that they are loved by God and he's desperate for you to do it. And we say, no, that's cool. I'm over here doing this thing. There are teenagers in that school that are desperate for you to be who God's called you to be. Desperate for it. And we choose popularity. We choose this. There are people in this world that is desperate for the people of God to be just that. The people of God. Not to be people of the world. There are big things that God wants to do with your life. There are people that he wants to impact with it. There are countries that need to be changed by it.